0: They are the fabulous learning nerds because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done you've got the fabulous learning nerds scott dan and abby are making it fun the best ideas that you've ever heard so everybody spread the word they're gonna keep your wheels turning the fabulous learning happy holidays and welcome to another fantastic episode of your fabulous learning nerds i'm your host scott judy and with us my co-host you love him dan coonrod dan the man oh yeah mr coonrod mr scott
1: how you doing man i'm doing well i'm doing well how was your holiday my holiday was good. It was good. It was very busy. Uh-huh. I feel like that's just kind of like my life in general. It's good but busy. Uh, but my holiday continued that trend. It was fantastic. How was yours? Mine was. Fair to Midland. <laughs> no patience. No patience. I'm I stole get
0: there. it. I stole it from you. You that's, did. I, that's you did. the thing. I did. My holiday was all right. Um. You know, uh, it, it was nice. It was quiet. I need some quiet. I need more quiet. That's for sure. Um, but that's just that's just the thing. It, it, the thing that I will say about the holidays is just just me like it's supposed to be a peaceful and restful time. And all too often it is not like, you know what I'm what? saying? Oh, it's great. Let's, you know, there, come on. There's a lot of pressure to have a good time oh, at yes, the holidays. I totally don't agree. You being think?
1: sarcastic. Yeah, I will tell you. I'll tell you. I, for the most part, don't do holidays. Like, man, I feel like such a Grinch saying that out loud, but like, like my daughter is is like, you know, teenager now and my wife and I, we've talked about it. We've all talked about it as a family. And it's like, what if we just like got each other gifts when we felt like it and just like we're good to each other all the time and we could just call that our holiday? Because like the stress and obligation of like Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's and all of these other holidays, it's just not worth it. No. Now I feel like a villain. I've said that out loud. Here it is. <laughs> no, no, you're not a villain
0: by any means. That's totally OK. I do have my holiday lights up. They've been up since Halloween. Put them up right away. So we have that going on. Spreading a little, spreading a little cheer uh, in my neighborhood that desperately needs a little bit of cheer.
1: I will you. say, as a family, we <laughs> do have one holiday tradition, and that is our Halloween tree which is a small little Christmas tree, like maybe two, three foot tall. And we found it, it and it was on sale because it was all black. And I was like, we have to get this. And so we put Halloween lights on it and little spooky ghoulies. And then that stays up until Christmas. <laughs> so people come over to visit and they'll be like, oh, you've already got your Christmas lights up. Like, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. Merry Christmas.
0: that is my envy for your halloween tree that that has not passed the picture uh, of
1: it it's little but it's it's powerful no it's awesome
0: (laughs) hey so so dan we are super excited uh today we have a very very special guest with us and we're going to hear all about her and maybe about her holiday in a little segment that we call what's your deal hey man What's your deal? Kelly. Hey. What's your deal, my friend?
2: Hey. Well, I'm here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, recovering from my holiday. I'm a a um OD L and D specialist out here in Albuquerque.
0: Awesome. That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about um how you became an OD specialist out in um New Mexico. What's your journey like?
2: Yeah, so uh, I actually started in the learning and development industry really back in 2016 in the real estate field I was working in the real estate field and and um believe it or not despite what you see on TV it's actually a really hard a really emotionally taxing job and I just kind of had had enough of of the crazy of all of that and decided to start training in that field. And so that's what I did and started to kind of dive into some classes and, and, you know, learning myself and, um, then kind of moved through the ranks in, in different, uh, different capacities in that industry and went back to school to get formally trained. And in, in um, really my background, my my degree is organizational and human resource development, but I have heavy training and have studied heavily in the instructional design field and um, have worked um, worked in that space. yeah, since, I mean, really since 2016. so and um, went out and started my own company during the pandemic because I wanted, I wanted to diversify. I wanted to do other things and I wanted to learn about other industries. And the funny thing is you learn that everybody has the same problems. (laughs) So you learn that everyone just puts on a different shirt every day, but pretty much has very similar problems. But the cool thing is, is I've got to learn about other industries. Um, You know, like how 911 works and how people respond to emergencies and how manufacturing works and how employment law works and, and, you know, just through the different jobs that, that I have done. And so that's, that's cool.
0: Well, that's fantastic. I, and I agree. You like, I hate to admit it, but I, I, I got problems. I don't know about you, Dan, but I got, I got at work. I'm just saying work, that kind of problem. So the fact that everybody's got similar problems is great. And ties really directly into the thing that we're going to be talking about this week, which I'm, Really excited to uh, jump in. So let's go ahead and jump in with our topic of the week. Okay, this week we're talking about training is not a one and done. Well, now our problem is fixed, right, Daniel?
1: Done. Look at that. Train. What do you mean training is not one and done? Um... <laughs> Let's let Kelly talk a little bit about that, right?
0: I love this topic because I swear to God, God. this is what happens to us in our industry is that like, oh my goodness, goodness, we have an opportunity. We're going to throw training at it. And then when we're done, we just kind of wipe our hands and walk away until the next opportunity comes without any kind of real thought process in it. Is that? your experience, Kelly, or help us understand this whole idea that training really isn't a one and done.
2: Yeah. And so training, the funny thing is training is about behavior change. And I I don't think, and I mean, I guess why would they, why would somebody who's not, not in this space think of it in that capacity? But it's, it's funny. I, I joke with people in the industry and I say, gosh, that's like oh, that makes me want to put a hot fork in my eye when people are like training going to fix all my problems <laughs> it's like mm, like do you even need training like what's the problem um is the problem you like I mean you know it's it's a lot of things <laughs> and I, 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 you know you really you, and you guys know this you have to it's really like peeling an onion and figuring out, okay, what's the, what's the core root of the problem. And it's sometimes not even, it's not even what you think it is on the surface. And so that's, that's why I like this topic. And, and I really, when I consult with clients and when I design products, I really try to put an emphasis on things that they can do After the fact, to continue that loop, to continue that process, to really change the behavior, because it, it takes, it takes time. I mean, you're forming, you know, you're forming new habits and you're rewiring your brain essentially. And that's, you know, that's not (laughs) just something that happens with the snap of a finger.
1: I've always felt like so many people view training like duct tape, like we we know it shouldn't be a permanent fix, but we wrap something around in duct tape and go, "Okay, that's temporary." I know I got to come back to it, and then nobody ever does. And then when it breaks, we're yes. like, "Why did it break?" And the cycle mm-hmm. like repeats over and over. So I, I love this topic.
2: Yeah, no, me, me too, me too, and it, and it's funny because um, I consult in an industry where there's a lot of continuing education, and that's what drives me crazy about the continuing education is. Well, it has this hat first of all this has to be three hours and, it, and it's like well um can they learn it in an hour can they learn it in three hours can they learn it in six like what what do you need and then the, the, the ce is just checking a box it's not
1: mm-hmm.
2: it, it, it's it's not doing anything to really meet any of the objectives that you're wanting it to meet it's simply meeting the objective of checking the box and so um so i always get excited about this topic shame shamefully i guess shamefully or shamelessly no,
0: I'm Not
1: sure. no not shamelessly not at all
0: yeah i was just <laughs> having this conversation i'm new an employee and we were just having this conversation um just last week and this came up like i was like so what are the two most important things and for me it's What's the objective, and who's our audience? Right. If I can identify those two things, if I can be an advocate for those two things, and I'd say sometimes we don't know what those two things are, and and yet we still move forward, right? And so I think that's really important. This is a a really great thing to start off with. So we know what the opportunity is. Like it's not a one and done. Like so, how do we? begin to identify what the real problem is. What are some of the things that, that you would recommend that we start thinking about when we identify what those objectives are?
2: So, you know, I think, you know, hypothetically, it always works like this, right? Ring, ring, you get the phone call and they're like, I have a problem. And you're like, great, let's fix it. Because um, <laughs> it always happens like that. But,
0: huh.
2: you know, really sitting down, da- sitting down, like I ask a ton of questions, so somebody will come to me and say, you know, my, my team is putting the widgets in the machine too slowly. And well, you know, I just ask questions. Well, okay. What makes you think that? Wh- why are you saying that? It, and just asking the why questions. Why? Well, what? Okay. Well, what you think training is going to fix this? Well, what's your goal with training? You know, and also it comes down to sometimes to talking to not just the stakeholder, but talking to the team and saying, okay, we, you know, we're, we're thinking that this problem might be going on, like what, what's going on with you guys um, and, and hearing from them, well, you know, the machine constantly breaks down or the machine is on the right side of the building and we have to walk, you know a quarter mile in, in bare feet through snow to get to the machine or whatever, whatever that may be. And so it's like, it's funny because a lot of this work and you guys know this too, is like, like peeling an onion, like, like a puzzle, like it, a puzzle is a good, a good analogy because you get the box of a hundred pieces and it's thrown on the table and you have to put the puzzle together.
0: No, I agree with that. I was going to use a Shrek reference, but I like your um, I like your puzzle <laughs> reference better.
1: Training is like onions. It's like an onions.
0: It's has layers. That's a terrible Shrek impression. So that that's that's great. So I'm going to ask for a friend. So imagine, imagine you get to run a world where a lot of times these requests come to you. So you're right. Like here's my problem. My experience sometimes is people come to us, and this is not a bad thing. So this this idea of I'm going to come to a leadership position or a authority person and say, I have a problem and here's how I think we should solve it is not necessarily bad, unless you're in learning and development, because I can tell you like 90% of the time when people come to me and my team and say, hey, I have a problem. Here's how we want to solve it. Not a lot of thought process has gone into that solved. like 90% of the time, it's like that's what the other client has asked for because they saw it and they thought it was neat, right? Yeah. What are some strategies you have as a thought leader at the table to say, or or don't we? Like, you know, did, did, when is it or how, how do you push back and say, time out, let's talk about this? Do we do you really need a three-hour training or can we get it to something else? What are some tactics that we could use to exercise better thought leadership in that moment?
2: Yeah, so I think asking um sometimes putting it back on, putting it back on them. And I don't mean that in like a harsh way, but, um, you know, saying, well, what does this, what does this look, at, look like to you? Okay. Well, why, why would you, why would you t- tell me why, tell me why you think that would be effective. Um, I, I think having those conversations, I think being able to have those conversations too allows you to build some rapport and build some trust, which I think also, um, can help with these sorts of things. um, but just continuing to ask questions and say, and really kind of, I like to make it, or try to make it a collaborative process when you know when working with your leadership or executives or you know the person that comes to you with a problem and saying you know and asking those questions. Well, what does that look like to you? Well, why? So, what you know? Tell me why you think that that would be effective, and then you know maybe you come to them and say okay well what about this have you thought about it this way and, and really just trying to to make it that that two-way street because you have to get their their buy-in and and doing that and, and granted they hire you because of your expertise and your professionalism but they don't but they don't want to be told how do I put it they're, Not that they, they don't want to be told they're wrong. And, and so you don't want to put it to them like, no, 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 that's not, that's not right. But you want to, you want to help guide them. Like you want to take the steering wheel and just push it a little bit back into the back into the right lane, so to speak. And, and making that a collaborative process, I think
0: helps. So this, I think this is a terrible idea and this is why it's probably not the right response that you might want to <laughs> always give. Yeah.
2: I, I have, I have done that inadvertently because some, because, you know, sometimes, you know, that knee jerk reaction comes out and, um, yeah, that doesn't work so well.
1: You know, I've, I've found that like being internal and being external, there, there tends to be like a a huge difference in how people react to like suggestions. Like internally, I'd be like, Hey, so this is the project and this is what I think we should do. Yeah, nope, we can't do that. It has to be 15 minutes and it has to be, you know, this style of e-learning. And you just kind of go like, well, like, how did we get there? We got there because that's the need. That's so what has to happen. And you go, oh, okay, then we'll figure it out. But like, I've had opportunities to to consult and be external where I've been like, hey, you know, this is what I think. This is what I think you should do. This is how I think you should roll it out. And I go, Oh wow. Yeah, okay. Super insightful. Yeah, we're definitely going to do that. And I'm just like, "Huh? Like, what's the difference? Like, I don't I don't know if you have like any insight there between like that internal and like external like that consultant versus you know, ID manager, training manager internally in a company.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think it just you know, I I think it just comes down to sometimes looking like we look at things through different sets of glasses and we all have we all have blind spots by nature. It just, it just happens. Like when you do something, you know, and I think even telling your stakeholders, you know, you're in the weeds every day, you're in the weeds, you're in this. And so they're, they're not just in it from, from like a production physical standpoint, but they're in it emotionally. Like it's kind of become an emotional you know they're probably not crying over it necessarily. Uh, maybe they are. I'm not sure. But <laughs> <Hopefully> not. <laughs> um, but but it, but it but it's something that's stinging them because because there's a result from that. Mm-hmm. So when when your emotions are are in something, invested in something, you look at things differently. And so being able to to tell people too, hey, I'm here to see things through a different set of eyes because. Because this is something that's happening to you and happening to your employees, happening to your company, you're you're seeing this through a different color of glasses than I'm seeing this, and so um, I think that also helps um, to be able to drive towards what may actually be needed. And and coming back to your example and to what um, Scott mentioned about knowing your audience too, I mean that's key. Even asking. Okay, well, you think you need a three-hour e-learning class for everyone? Well, a good example, I'm looking at a project now that is in the construction field. And is that really going to be feasible for people that are out in the field on a machine every day who barely answer their, their phone mm-hmm. yeah, and, and definitely don't have a computer hooked up to their thing going down the street? So... um you know, again, it just comes back to asking those questions. And I think you know, I think having a little bit of compassion and a little bit of empathy too for what for what they're going through because that because that's it's an emotional thing for them.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I think is really important, you mentioned stakeholder buy-in, which is critical, right? Mm -hmm. And you've just been speaking to something that I think is really important as well, which is this idea of ego. Like sometimes I feel like the biggest disruption for a good partnership, no matter who you are, or what you're doing, is ego. Uh-huh. Um, we get emotionally invested in what's going on, whether it's myself or somebody else, right? And it doesn't lead to good outcomes, in my humble opinion. When we allow that to continue, yeah. Any suggestions, thoughts on, or even tips and tricks on, you know, how do you how do you manage ego in the room to get better results?
2: Yeah, that's tough. And it's tough. It, um, yeah, I, I mean, for me, again, what I what I have done is I just I really, I really try to build trust with people. And, you know, again, just, just kind of talking to them trying to sympathize with their pain points, trying to bring them in again and collaborate. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Well, tell me a little bit more. Well, what about, well, what about this? Um, I think sometimes with, with ego, if you're able to bring them into the process, it helps. Um, you know, not, not every, not, not every time. Um, it's not, you know, it's not a perfect science. It's not, not a science either. It's probably an art really, (laughs) but, um, you know, just I, I think having that trust and trying to build relationships is really, for me, in my experience, been the best way to really break down those barriers. And it takes time. And sometimes time is not of the essence, but I think you really have to you have to make time for that because I think in the end, you you have better outcomes,
0: yeah, I find that um, listening, really important skill like if yeah. you're in this you're in this business and you don't know how to listen very well like get get good at it get good at listening really well um second is be aware of your own ego because i yeah. might be the problem right so my mm-hmm. we, we started this off like scott's got a lot of problems I, I might be the problem right so that might be it um and i still love my favorite question is the would it make sense hmm that's nice well, i wonder would it make sense but for me it's such a Uh, It allows the person across the table to kind of enter into the discussion versus, you know, putting them on the spot. Um, And it's just been my little trick of the trade. Like, hey, would it make sense if we've maybe looked at a 30 second video, but like 10 of them instead of a 30 minute thing that no one's going to watch. I would add that no one's going to watch part of it. Right. So anyway, that's my thing. So (laughs) Dan, do you have any other suggestions?
1: No, I I liked your. I liked. I like your positioning phrase of what it makes sense. I often find myself Mm -hmm. going to like, what's our thought process? Mm -hmm. Because if I know, if I know what somebody's thoughts were that got us to this point, it's way easier to be like, oh, well, I know what I I think I know what we're trying to accomplish. Are we trying to accomplish this? Yes. Okay. The way we're going at it may not be optimal. We can still go at it if that's the way you'd like. But if we're looking for like, just like an optimal solution, we may want to try W and T, you know, we may want to try these other, these other variables. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also found just when like getting stakeholder buy in, getting involved as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think too often as learning development professionals, we're we're kind of at the the tail end of the whip. Yeah, that didn't come out right. That sounds terrible. <laughs> but we're we're kind of like at the end of the process. Maybe saying that yeah, whip isn't the right one, but we're at the end of the process. And by the time it gets to us, this idea has gone through the hands of, like, four or five different people. And so, like, what the original goal was is still there, but it's got this other person's pet project wrapped in, and it's got this other person's, you know, like, idea for what they think would be good already wrapped in. So by the time you get to it, you know, it's, you you know, they wanted a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, and by the time you get done, it's a bacon, egg, and cheese hamburger with a side of onion rings. And a sesame seed bun. It's like, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how many times like I would I would be in the meeting and some, some director or VP would be like, we need training. And we've got this red flag behavior and it, we just need to get it. We just need to get that red flag behavior occurrence down. We need to get the percentage down. It's like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, we can do that. Absolutely. How long do you want the training to be? I mean, obviously as short as possible. Okay, great. Here's a few ideas. Do any of these sing to you? Yeah, I like I like it. Idea, you know, see, great. We're going to get started. We're off to the races. We're on it. And the turnaround on those and the collaboration just getting involved easier, like so much, so much better. I would tell stakeholders all the time, the sooner you get my team involved, the better and shorter the training will be. Yeah. And that usually got us to seat at the table pretty quick when I promised shorter trainings with better outcomes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm with you. I don't like bacon, egg and cheese hamburgers. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Um, no, totally. And I mean, and that sings. to that sings to their, you know, their, their wallet in some, in some ways, um, mm-hmm. like shorter training. Cool. Yeah. You know, like less cost. Cool. I'm, I, I, I'm down with
1: that. Most people are down with that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Going back to one and dones, right? Um, and something you mentioned at the beginning of, of a conversation, which is all about this idea of behavior change, right? Yeah. So the idea that a one and done will change behavior is kind of silly, in my opinion. So what's, um? so how do, how do we get, Good behavior change. What are some of the things that we should be looking for, should be thinking about when it comes to sustainable behavior change, which is what I really think everybody wants.
2: Yeah. So, um you know, in what in whatever you're doing, you're you know, like we've got we've got this this training we put together for our team to help improve widget manufacturing or whatever. Um, i I mean I think really building in that that loop so to speak it's it's a it's a process it's a cycle really um so they're not just going through a training I mean yeah they may go through a training but I mean, I mean you guys know this like the active learning aspect the practice but but also what really happens afterwards and I think this is why it's important to get stakeholders involved because I think oftentimes too they think, and I don't think they think this like, oh, like it's, well, maybe sometimes like it's them, not me, but it's, it's a process for everyone. So even as, you know, a manager, um, A, you have to get the stakeholder buy-in, but you have to get your manager and your team buy-in too, because it's for everyone, you know, you're, you You have a team of people who may be going through the training, but the manager is going to have a role in that. They're going to be practicing in the training, but what are they going to be doing afterwards? How are we going to be implementing what we've learned afterwards and how are we setting it up so that the manager can help assess that and help perfect those skills, you know, at one day, one week, one month, three months six months afterwards. So how how are we, how are we helping set up? Not this, just this training that people are going to go through, but how are we helping to set up our middle manner managers, our executives for success? So what are, what are measurements, what are things that they should be doing and what are things that they should also be looking for to help foster this change, to help move people in that direction?
0: Yeah, really important. What's going to be new, better, or different when we're done? Right. And how do we recognize that? So um, my team does a lot of sales training, so that's kind of easy, kind of, right? So we can go, oh, well, sales went up. So we can take a share of that, like we'll never be able to take 100% of it, right? But we could take a share piece of that, right? Um, but when it comes to like, you know, some of the softer stuff that can get kind of tricky, right? Sure. So is that a matter of, I mean, how do I measure <laughs> other than a once a once a year survey of is my boss a, a good leader? How do I how do I manage those soft skills, change in behavior when it comes to comes to those kind of things? What um, what are some things that we should be thinking about in that regard?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, again, like building in when I say building into the training, I mean, building into this whole package and the training is just a component of this package. But building into that whole package um you know, maybe we maybe we are tapping into customers a little bit a little bit sooner. Maybe at the at the thirty day mark, or maybe maybe we're we're actually running a so to speak a test with a with a group of customers um, over over a period of time um, to help gauge how how the process ha- you know how this particular process has changed. Um, you know, customer service is a good is a good example. Um, so maybe you know, maybe we're constantly kind of tapping in and taking a test of that soil, so to speak, uh, throughout that process. You know, looking at looking at numbers and metrics. Okay, what were our metrics before, versus what are you know what are our metrics at thirty days, sixty days, ninety days? And I think it's important to look look at a process over time because. I think, I think you get kind of a better, a better sample of that change over time. So, you know, looking, okay, what are we at 30 days? What are we at 60 days? What are we at 90 days? Or whatever, whatever that is. Um, I mean, I think there's lots, there's lots of things that you can do to build into that whole process. And those are, those are just a couple of examples that kind of immediately come to mind.
0: What's your thought on uh, the importance of, let's say, uh, post-mortem, post, uh, post-mortem reviews? After the event, kind of
1: things.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I was. I think. I think you said it all right there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I. I think those are really like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that really says it all. I think they're really more a pat on the back for the for the person that developed this this training because it's rare, like. In my opinion, when you get those, I usually take the top the top stuff out, the bottom stuff out, and what's in the what's in the middle. Because it's rare that you get anything that's really useful from that. What's what's really useful is what happens when you go back to your desk.
1: Oh, okay. I, I was gonna say, I, I think that uh that that opinion is probably uh as the, the cool kids say, a hot take. I can't tell you how important. People are always saying that like, oh, the postmortem, the postmortem, like, oh, we got it. We got to tear this apart. Like once we finish it up. So to hear you say like, like, yeah, and don't get me wrong. I agree with you. I think what happens is is a lot of time people put off feedback and suggestions until that postmortem meeting. Uh And so like it ends up becoming like this, like, well, now that we're here, let's talk about all the ways things could have been better and i wish people would just say that like midstream like hey yeah. like, we're working on this and like I, our numbers aren't moving as fast i'd like i hope can we try a b and c now as opposed to like well let's wait till we all wrap up so i i love that that opinion um but just like in business land not going back and doing a post-mortem feels like sacrilege <laughs> Like, like oh, oh, the holy texts. I ah.
2: know, because it's so ingrained in us, I think. But to your point, mm-hmm. and I think that's a great point. It's an iterative process. And so why, you know, why are we not, why are we not dropping in little nuggets in, you know, in that process to figure out where things need to change versus waiting until the end?
0: both great points um i'm in an internal organization that delivers and my um heartburn is like we almost never do them
2: yeah and, so that I, too. and
0: i've been i've been waving my arms like from a learning perspective like i just want to learn and get better and if we don't take the time to talk about hey what uh, and and you got to talk both sides like i want to know what went really well and i want to know like what would you do differently so that we can make better decisions cuz um, I feel oftentimes I feel like we're just reloading the same stuff into the chamber. And, you know, it's Einstein. We're going to do yeah. the same thing over and over again, and expect different results. And we don't get those different results. It's like, hmm. So I I, I love this idea of, hey, can we get the feedback in the middle? Um, can we can we call an audible and, and make some changes while we're going through the process? Um, but there, there, that review part of it from a learning nerd perspective is like really oh. important to me. Uh, yeah. But I, I love where you guys are talking about, like, why do I have to wait forty five days? Like, I'll 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 take that meeting of forty five days versus
1: not having a meeting. Yep, that's yep. that's true. I feel like if you are not having any review whatsoever, you are probably like, oh, postmortem would be great, wouldn't that be amazing? Uh that's that's a different and much sadder version I, <laughs> I wasn't thinking about. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, that's my
0: that's that's my thing. Right. And so, you yeah. know, finding opportunities to do that and making it part of your standing operating platform, I think is important, or at least finding some ways to to get the feedback that you need, maybe without a meeting. And that I think you can be strategic with your stakeholders. Right. So, um, hey, can I schedule regular stakeholder meetings with people just to kind of get a feedback of how we're doing um, and make sure I'm touching those key components of my business so that, that, that we can so I can. I can get the real feedback versus the, This is what I'm going to say in a room of 50 people. And this is what I'm going to say just to you, Scott. Like, you know, and you know, honestly, if my baby's ugly, I need to know, like, I want to know that my baby's ugly because no one wants an ugly baby. Sorry. Go ahead, Dan.
1: No, I was going to say it's, you know, it's funny. You and I come from a very similar place. Mm-hmm. Uh, some would say almost exactly the same place. Um, and we, came about a very similar problem with two different solutions. You know, you're like, hey, I just got to get this postmortem." I'm like, hey, can we come together? And I was like, hey, I can't wait for that 45-day mark. So I'm just going to go badger my stakeholders. I'm going to go badger, like, my users. I'm going to go just basically go badger everybody. Hey, give me feedback. Did you like that? Well, like, it's okay. Oh, so it's okay. So what wasn't good about it? Like, you know, come tell me the baby's ugly. I need to know because I've still got time to save three or 400 other learners if you tell me right now. But if you wait until 45 days is done, like we're done. But to your point, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like traditionally it can be tough to get stakeholders, especially when things are successful to come back and say, this is what worked. This is what didn't. Like when things don't work, it's super easy. That, that, that meeting is going to happen. But when they, it's, it's, when things do work like no news is good news and it's tempting to treat crickets as applause. Right. Uh, I guess the one thing that I would add, um,
0: and I'd love to get your feedback on this too, Kelly, I mean, like in the world of learning experience platforms, you know, LMS is fantastic. But my, my, my opinion on the learning management system all too often is it is a check the box activity, right? So, um, What's the what's the best way that we can say that people understand stuff? We're going to throw them um, an e-learning and we're going to check to make sure that they passed. And then I can come back and give you some kind of measurement on it. Right. But it, for me, it, there's not a lot of, um, well, there's no back and forth for the most part. And then the right. second thing is, did they really retain any of it? Like, I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Right. Why do I have to go through the same um, stuff every year when it comes to compliance, right? Because I forgot it all? No, because you, I have to do it, right? So right. LXP, Learning Experience Platforms, at least allow for, for at least my experience, I'm finding this uh, two-way conversation, 360 communication. So what my team's been doing, to Dan's point, like, do I want to know if this is any good? We're going to drop a survey on them, right? Well, let's drop a survey and see what kind of feedback we get from my audience that I can go ahead and take back anecdotally. Now, sometimes um, I got to give a carrot for that, but at least I'm getting something, Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, yeah, I love that. Um, you know, you're getting something a little bit more tangible, I think that, that you can, uh, that you can work with. And, um, yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, like with anything, there's always, um, you know, whether it be e-learning, virtual live, live training, what, you know, whatever you're, you're doing, there's always, you know, there's always those, benefits and challenges so to speak and um yeah sometimes it's just about finding it's just finding which is going to have the most benefits and the least amount of challenges but I do I like that um because it it allows you yeah to kind of have that whole package that that whole that whole loop so to speak um yeah did they retain you know in the end did they retain you know did they retain the knowledge have they retained something? Are they able to implement it back on the job? Is it meet, meeting the objectives that we wanted it to meet? And are we having the right outcomes?
0: That sounds like a summary of, of success. I mean, th- that's, that was my next question. What does success look like to you? Like at the end of the day, right? So you come to, we're going to identify an opportunity and we're going to go ahead. But what is what does success really look like to you, Kelly?
2: Well, in my perfect world, yeah, success would be that, that quote, that knowledge is actually being retained, that people have taken what they've learned back to their jobs and have actually implemented something, something that's useful to them. Because that's the other thing I try to think about with training too, is, is I want I want people to walk away with something that actually makes their life better, their work life better, whatever it, it may be. And so I I I would hope that they're implementing what they've learned to make their life better, that managers have been involved in that in that process really creating that whole feedback loop and then you're able to actually measure to see to a see that behavior change. Uh, to hopefully see that people all the way around are happier and to see those measurable results, whatever it may be, we've reduced safety issues or we've increased our revenue or our customers are happier or we've increased efficiency because we've been able to, to do whatever it is. Um, all of those sorts of things in a perfect world.
0: We're, um, we're getting ready to kind of like wind some things down, but I wanted to go ahead and give you an opportunity to, You know, is there anything that 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 um, that you're passionate about that that you wanted to talk about today that we just didn't have the opportunity to get to yet? Like, you know, some final thoughts for you, Kelly.
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I'm passionate about a lot of things Um, when it comes to this and when it comes to this industry that that really I I think that the training is not one and done that it's really about behavior change is one of the big the big things that I'm passionate passionate about um the other thing which we didn't dive into which is a whole other subject and you probably can relate to a lot Scott is is um quantifiable learning objectives like measurable learning objectives like what are we doing you know (laughs) um cool. You want someone to understand something. Um, th- that's awesome. But like, how are we going to measure they understand it? You know, like, um, those sorts of things. I mean, I really, you know, honestly, I mean, in general, I'm just passionate about this industry as a, as a whole, because you, you don't think about it. And I think a lot of people think like learning and development training, like really, like how can that be interesting? But when you really think about the card or the cog in the earth, I don't know if cog the right word, but the place at the table that we have, we really have the ability to, to do work that makes people happier, more productive, um, all the way around at work. And we spend so much time at work and work itself is, is changing. Uh, that environment is changing. But when you have the ability to make something better for someone, I, I mean, how could you not be passionate about that. Um, that. I mean, and that's the, I mean, that sounds so corny, but, but in reality, I mean, that's what we, that's what our role is. Our role is to make things better. And if we can make things better for people who are doing the work, if we can make things better for a business owner, who's trying to you know, who's trying to feed their family, contribute to the economy, how, I mean, how could you not support that?
0: You know, you just reinforce something that um, I say all the time, and that is, uh, learning. People are, for the most part, good people, and that's what I love about being <laughs> in this community. That's what I love about my time with uh, Dan and Abby and folks like you—is that to hang out with really smart, really good people. So that's really awesome. There it is. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks so much for hanging with us today. Hey, could you do me a favor? Could you uh, let our audience know um, how they can get in touch with you? Maybe some groovy stuff that you're working on? What's going on in your world that um, they can go uh, look you up and find some more groovy stuff?
2: Yeah. So, um, a fun fact about me, I'm a bulldog lover and I have three meatloaf English bulldogs, um, that pretty much (laughs) run my household. So if you want to uh, learn more about what my company does and you want to, you know, see, um, you know, if you want to look at occasional pictures of my dogs too, because I love to look at them. Um, This is probably my bias, Uh, but I love them. So I expect everyone else to love them, but you can follow me on social media. You can really, if you just look up the Kelly Tinan, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, um, my company stuff, what we do uh, my website, Kelly And you can find me there and we're working on some great stuff, actually quarter one of next year. So a lot of feedback that I had been getting from clients and that I had just been, um, reading and hearing from from people um just in kind of the business space in general is that there's a real need for leadership training le- you know helping to build and foster leadership skills among people that that are in the management space for the first time and interestingly enough statistically like people you know, they start to get into management roles around 30, but they don't get any training until much, much later, like 10, 12 years later, give or take. And so there's a real gap there. So I'm actually working on a leadership skill development for first time manager program. Um, and I hope to launch that sometime uh, quarter one of next year. And so I'm really excited about that because I'm hoping that it will just help people that are new to that part in their or to that to that road in their career um, you know, again, build some skills so that they can help foster and, you know, build up other people. And so I'm, I'm excited about that.
0: Fantastic. Building some skills, groovy stuff from Kelly, go check out her website, all the links that we're going to put in the show notes. So go check that out. Really appreciate you sharing your time. Um, (laughs) Love that you've got three bulldogs. My wife collects Shih Tzus. We have seven. (laughs) So oh, you've got four more to go. Uh, All
2: yeah. right, yeah, yeah. People always ask me, well, how how many is too many? And I say 3
0: <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I yeah, no, we're way past that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're you're past the point of no return. Yeah. No, I'm I'm wondering <laughs> why I'm still sane. But at any rate, thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Danielson. Yes, Scott. Could you do us a favor and let our audience know how they can connect with us?
1: Absolutely. All right, party people, if you haven't already, email us at nerds at thelearningnerds.com. Join in on the conversation. Tell us your feelings about how you connect with stakeholders in good and meaningful ways. If you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds. On Instagram, Fab Learning Nerds. And lastly, for more information about us, what we do, and any updates, www.thelearningnerds.com. Scott. Thanks, Dan. Hey, everybody. Could you do me a favor? Could you go ahead and hit that
0: subscribe button? We'd really appreciate it. More importantly, if you like what's going on, like what Kelly had to say, go ahead and share this episode with your friends. If you've got some comments, please, please, please leave us a review. Put it in either the iTunes review or Stitch review. It's us get our uh, word out to more people and know you hear it. Until next time, I'm Scott. I'm Dan.
2: Hey, and I'm Kelly.
0: And we're your Fabulous Learning Nerds, and we are out Hey there, are you a learning and development professional with an expertise our audience would appreciate? Would you like to create a stronger learning community and make this world a little bit better? And would you like to hang out with some groovy learning nerds and share your story? If so, consider being a guest on our show. It's easy. Just send an email to nerds at thelearningnerds.com with guest in the subject line. Dan will surely return your email and get something set up. Well, that's when he's finished watching Netflix, that is. But seriously, we'd love to hear from you as well. So send your
1: email to nerds at thelearningnerds.com today.